Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Natalia Strong and Allie. We are coming at you live from somebody's living room. Did you get hacked a bunch? Because people have been trying. Oh, you can come out if you need to. <laughs> oh, we're yeah, we're in somebody's living room and then somebody came out to, sit, to do something. That's oh, okay. Hi. Okay, I guess cat's out of the bag. We're in we're- Steve and Nick's living room. <laughs> You've now heard both of them. Nick's living room. Nick says it's very important that you know that it's his living room and not Steve's. This is so fun. I feel like we're on a like a sitcom. Yeah, people are just coming in and out. Oh my god! And then <laughs> this Nick is so just chaotic. Like, Nick just like opened the door and peeked his head out. And it was then very cool. Steve. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you, Steve. Okay. We have Steve's blessing. Very chaotic uh, start to the podcast. But honestly, what else is new? Even yeah. when we're recording in an enclosed space that nobody can reach us at, it's always chaotic. It's so chaotic. Just now, I just... Okay, so I sold a chair from my house on Craigslist today. Mm-hmm. And this chair is worth probably like, I don't know, 200 bucks or something. Because it's a nice chair. It's from West Elm. I got it from my ex, so it was free. But like, nobody needs to know about West that. West Elm is very nice. I've bought many bridal shower gifts from West Elm. It's super yeah it's like a super nice swivel around like chair if you've watched any of my stories on my social media you've seen me like playing video games in it but I decided to sell it and I went on Craigslist and I listed it for a hundred bucks which I thought was a steal and then I was like you know what because I'm being so fucking nice today mm-hmm. I'm gonna say if you can pick it up today I'll give it to you for 50 bucks well I just get a text from this person who picked it up and they're like hey can you delete your ad on Craigslist for the chair I have to re-list it immediately and sell it because it's too big for my studio apartment honestly I I don't care at all but I'm just like I wouldn't even need to delete my ad if they weren't going to sell it for more money because the reason they want me to delete my right. ad is because they're going to try to sell it for more so if you go on Craigslist and you see that someone else is selling the same chair for less right then, then you they're won- going to go for that one yeah. right which I don't care I'm just not going to respond to it you don't have to respond you gave them a chair and you don't know them yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> well Natalia do you want to talk about why you're in such a good mood tonight uh, okay you guys I remember the callback that I was talking remember the audition first of all yes we had this was a three-part this is now this is like a character arc oh right now God. and within our podcast i had the it started off with me quitting drinking and quitting getting yes. my nails done yes and starting to invest that money in things that make me happy like riding horses again and then i got this awesome audition nailed the audition got a call back nailed the call back and folks part three slash four of the story is i booked the role Woo! I am the lead of a pilot that is going to be hopefully streaming on like Hulu or Netflix or Disney Plus or something like that. And it's very exciting. We're filming next week. And then I have another audition after that for something equally awesome. And I'm very stoked. Everything is really good right now. I am really fucking proud of you. There were people in your life that were naysayers. And uh, now you can just fucking jerk off in their faces. (laughs) Metaphorically, metaphorically, (laughs) because they can eat shit right no like people who didn't think I was a good person and I had no class are definitely gonna eat shit when they see me jerking off in public yeah well yeah they're gonna be like you know what I was wrong about her I thought (laughs) she's very classy as it turns out classy talented bright future metaphorically to me jerking off in someone's face metaphorically is just being like oh remember that you thought I couldn't do this thing 
Right. Well, well I fucking did it. Some people might see that as a compliment if you jerk off on their face. That's, oh, accurate. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Someone was telling me a story. I hope that this person doesn't listen to this podcast. This person is married, that she's now on Bumble because her husband is a cuck and he just told her that he wants to be cucked. And so oh, he, he likes... He having, wants to watch from a closet having, while she gets fucked. He likes having his significant other be pleasured while he watches. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. Is she into that? Uh, apparently because she made a Bumble account. So I mean, honestly, I don't see the downside of having a boyfriend or a husband that's a cuck because you just like basically get to cheat on them all the time and they yeah, like it. And there's no consequences. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, it just strengthens your bond. The only time it would suck is if you didn't want to cheat on them. And then you're like, wow, the only way to turn my husband or my, my partner on is to like have sex with someone I don't want to. Then I could see it being very annoying. My fear would be that I would then fall in love with the new person. And then you're in a polyamorous relationship no and then you have to like get a divorce wow i wonder if that's like what the cuck really aims for though if they really want to see you <laughs> he just pleasured really wants a divorce he just wants to see you pleasured <laughs> so much that you literally leave him for the other person the ultimate cucking yeah and then he's just like has a boner for the rest of his life <laughs> i was laughing so hard uh going through the footage or not the footage the audio from last week when we were talking about <laughs> guys with big dicks like oh the stuff that we cut out yeah we cut out all of it we cut out a lot but the stuff that was in there still was really funny oh yeah it was really funny i was re-listening to it yeah. yeah anyway donors for this week victoria l tessa and gabby v thank you ladies thank all female you. donors this week hell to the yeah and i have a short and sweet work story for you yeah i want to hear about um about your story about meeting with the secretary of farming for the whole world or whatever it is oh okay so this is i i actually didn't have that listed on my notes for what i wanted to talk to you about but that's perfect because it's the perfect foil to this other story that i'm going to tell you so okay. let me start with the good one which is that i met with the secretary of agriculture same um, thing captain planet yeah captain okay. planet captain farmer and <laughs> He, uh, he came, he was doing like a tour of different farms in California. And I was like, feel, I like just was feeling so positive about like, Hey, there's this like politician that, you know, maybe is going to do something. Cause I feel like, I think I was telling you a little bit about this last time is that it's for me, especially I'm so cynical about government and politics that sometimes it doesn't seem worth it to talk. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I talked before on the podcast about how I went to like a local government hearing about hemp production oh, and yeah. like, you know, all these stay at home moms that think, Oh, Oh my God. <laughs> I'm scared. Steve, let me get, Steve locked it. Are you okay? Yes. Oh my God. God. I just need to. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. We just heard that. Holy shit. We're recording our podcast. Yeah. We just heard someone <laughs> bump into the door and go, oh, what the fuck? He still isn't standing. Okay, but who enters any place ever just Me by kneeing the door? What the fuck? Like, this is, place is a fucking sitcom. This place. We, Stephen locked the door because we were doing the podcast in here. And then somebody and just then his came. roommate tr trying to come in through the front door but he like need the door and then it didn't open and we just hear him like fuck i hopefully you guys can hear the audio maybe we'll i try hope to you guys can hear it because this is the most chaotic intro to a podcast that we've is had is this what living with boys is like i hope to never know people just skateboard in through the windows they people, just like people just like body slamming their way through <laughs> through walls like the kool-aid man 
man. <laughs> Sorry, continue your story. Oh, no. <laughs> I like how I tried to start with a wholesome story and then we just, <laughs> everything goes wrong. That's yeah. the end is that I just, I feel like it's really easy to be cynical about politics and government. And normally I would say no to something like that. But I was like, you know what? If, you know, if I don't do it, then definitely no change is going to happen. Right. And then if I do talk to him, about like different challenges that California agriculture is facing right now. He probably won't do anything about it, but at least I'm trying, right? Like I'm wow. giving, I'm telling him and there's a chance that I something I feel like happen. I am seeing history night right now. As you're speaking about this, I am like a cultural farming icon for change. Allie. You know what? That's, <laughs> we're going to make merch. And all it says is a cultural farming icon for change. And it doesn't have my face. It doesn't have my name. It's just literally like block letters across a shirt. And that's what we're going to sell now. $5 at letsgethaunted.com, a website that doesn't exist. Right. Wow. That was such an inspiring story about how you didn't want to go meet with a politician because you didn't think it would do anything, but then you did. I mean, it still probably didn't do anything, but I but that's, but it's, it shows a change in me right. this year. 2020 we talked in our first episode of the year you were talking about quitting Mm -hmm. drinking until you booked your first role and now you just booked your first role yeah okay and then I was talking about boundary setting with myself and being less of a douchebag to myself right and I feel like part of that is taking chances right yes yeah yes and it's the butterfly effect too like you don't think there's going to be a change but actually you never know you meeting with this politician has set off like a rebel rebellion in some other planet somewhere else and then pretty soon like the star trek people are going to show up here and it's all because of me yeah and then aliens are going to be real and now i get to rule a planet we're not ruling it out no we're not in fact we're ruling it in (laughs) so then the perfect foil the story i was actually going to tell you which is that a man on drugs came into my office and asked to use the porta potty and then was in there for 10 minutes and then when he finally left my coworker and I went and looked in the bathroom to see like what was he doing and he threw a bloody shirt into the toilet what was it the shirt that he was wearing yeah we're like not super sure so the full story is that this guy pulled up in front of my office and knocked on the door and he's like hey are you guys hiring and he like couldn't even stand and we were like no we're not taking applications which is true that's not even a lie we're not we're not hiring right now um, but we were like, you know, even though we're not hiring, we can give you an application you can turn it in and then like, we'll call you if an opening happens. So we hand him the application. He can't even write on it. And he's like, you know, swaying back and forth, throws the application into his car and then looks at our porta potty because we're on a farm. And I feel like I need to reemphasize that we don't just like pee in porta potties for fun. There's no other option. And he goes into the porta potty, doesn't come out for 10 minutes. Finally, my coworker goes and knocks on the door and is like, Are you okay? And then he's, Oh, yeah, I'll be right out, I'll be right out. And then he comes out, runs to his car, doesn't even wash his hands, which is gross, never turned in his application, and then just peels out of the parking lot. Okay, but was that all an act because he actually was a murderer and that was his evidence and so he thought that's that, how he was going to get rid of right. it? So that's one hypothesis. The more likely hypothesis is that there's been a lot of robbery um, in rural employer locations. And so we think maybe this is the guy that's doing it. And he's just like scoping out the place. But he was very obviously on drugs. Right. Yeah. Maybe he had just lost a lot of blood and he wasn't on drugs. (laughs) Maybe he was shooting up in the porta potty. That's super plausible. Natalia, I know Valentine's Day has already passed. 
but I Thank wanted God. to, yeah, the most haunted <laughs> holiday of the year has already passed. But I did, uh, I was like, just for fun, perusing the internet. And I was like, what is the origin of Valentine's Day? And it's pretty fucking funny. Would you what like to that? hear just like a little short blurb about Valentine's Day? Of course I would. Okay, great. Do Valentine's you... Day is my favorite aesthetic of the all the holidays. It's the cutest for yeah. sure. It's kawaii. It's like pastels and like little bears and shit yeah it's like st patrick's day is also very fun and kitschy because you just wear a bunch of green and drink green no, beer st patrick's day's aesthetic is ass because it's green and orange I and like yellow green they really fucked up there like whoever art directed that holiday sucks they should have focused more on like the rainbows and like the pots of gold Ooh. and way less on that fucking ugly motherfucker the whoever- leprechaun yes <laughs> Okay, well, let me tell you about the creepy origins of Valentine's Day. And the source for this is ripley's.com slash weird news. Wait, believe it or Ripley's believe yeah, it or not? Yeah, Ripley's believe it or not. Okay. So the ancient Romans celebrated the feast of Lupercalia from February 13th through the 15th. The Luperci, an order of Roman priests, would kick off the festivities by gathering in a sacred cave and sacrificing a goat for fertility and a dog for purification. Oh my god, I'm so into that. The priests would then cut the goat hide into strips, dip the strips in sacrificial blood, and go into the streets, slapping any woman that walked past them with the bloody strips of goat hide. Oh my god, I hope they would pick me. (laughs) The act of hitting the women was thought to make them more fertile romance have you ever heard of anything more romantic than being slapped in the ass with a bloody goat hide no but if it makes you more fertile then then do it to me or (laughs) don't do it to me i don't want to have a kid right now i don't know i mean the ancient romans were just like fucking yeah they were fucking they were fucking fucking anybody and then that same festival the lupercalia festival was capped off when roman women placed their names in a big urn the city's bachelors would then pick a name and those two people would be paired off with the new fertile women for the duration of the year romance wait hold on so you put your name in a big urn only the women only the women and Uh then single men what single man gets to any of them all of them there's no requirements are you a single man are you a bachelor living in the city are you trying to have a kid go into the urn you're paired off and you're stuck with them for a year do you have what do you have to do with them fuck them Really? Yeah. The end result to this is that most people ended up getting married. Oh, right. Yeah. But some people didn't. Because they fall in love? Well, I guess. It's like an arranged marriage, except the the urn god. I think if like your life expectancy is 35, you're probably just trying to have a child. Honestly, it sounds way more romantic than the current dating situation, which is like meet with somebody like... I don't know, whatever, whatever the fuck we're supposed to do right now, that sounds better because at least they're not afraid of commitment. They're like, you know what? I'm going to pick out this name and I don't care what this fucking person looks like or smells like or is. I'm just going to make this decision to commit to this person for a year. We might fuck around and have a baby, get married. I don't know. See, you're really putting a positive spin on it. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you put your name in an urn and then I'm going to walk around. I'm going to knock on a random door and I'm going to ask door to door. Is there an eligible bachelor here? And when somebody says yes, it's just my name. It's in the just urn. your name. <laughs> I'm and interested. then you're stuck with them for a year. OK. OK. And then their life will be so much better after one year. <laughs> I mean, at least you're getting like laid frequently. What type of person do you think is going to put their hand into an urn from a stranger and draw a, d- a, a dirty yeah. man with nothing to lose? Right. But you know what? I'm going to really make his life better because I'm committed to being his partner for a year. And isn't that basically what Tinder is anyway? It's just like a big urn full of names 
you right. swipe through them and you pick someone at random and if you end up not hating each other you just pair up for a year ancient tender okay mm-hmm. then i want to tell you about the more common origin story about valentine's day which is saint valentine who you've probably heard of he was a priest during the reign of emperor claudius the emperor believed that single men made better soldiers so he made it illegal for young people to get married valentine didn't agree with the right to marry being dictated by the government because he was a fucking visionary so he started marrying people in secret and when the emperor found out he jailed him then in jail valentine fell in love with one of his jailer's daughters and before his execution he signed his final letter to his beloved from your valentine quote like that's what he wrote on it and so that began the centuries-long tradition of sending valentines to people you love oh my god that's so sweet and then do you want to know how he was executed how (laughs) he was he had a three-part execution first he was beaten then he was stoned then he was decapitated. Wow. So basically, no matter which origin story you believe, it's haunted as fuck because it's either St. Valentine falling in love um, with his jailer's daughter before being executed three different ways or slapping fertile women with goat's blood. <laughs> I'm going to tell you my actual story. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready. Have you ever heard the tale of scratching Fanny, the ghost of Cock Lane? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it again. Okay. Scratching Fanny, the ghost of Cock Lane. <laughs> no, but like I thought there would never be anything as funny to say as Legina Brothers. But I found it. Okay. So you've never heard of Scratching Fanny, the ghost of Cock Lane. Correct? No, I would. I could not like have finished anything in my entire life if I had heard about that. Okay, until now. great. So let me tell you this. I'm, my mind is being poisoned by whatever the fuck you're about to tell me. This I already know. thrilling tale. Okay. So the story I'm about to tell you takes place over the course of a few months in 1762 England. Hmm. Cock Lane is a short road located next to London's Smithfield Market near St. Paul's Cathedral. Standing on Cock Lane was a three-story house owned by a man named Richard Parsons. Parsons was a well-respected church clerk in his community. Natalia, do you know what a church clerk is? Uh, is it someone who, like, is a clerk for the church? Whoa. <laughs> yes. Yes, bitch. Wow. You got the context clues. So a church clerk, also called a church secretary, is responsible for all administrative functions in the church. Mm. They prepare announcements, maintain records of business, and document church board meetings. So this is like the church producer. Right, yes. So like what what do you think of when you think of, when I tell you this? Like do you think he's a responsible guy? Do you think? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He sounds super responsible and I trust him. Okay. Well, Richard had another side to him that was not as well known by his colleagues at the church. Right. He lived on Cock Lane, right? Well, he lived on Cock Lane. <laughs> it's problem number one. Problem number two <laughs> is that he was a bit of a drunk. Oh. So his best friend, James Franzen, ran a pub near his house. Wait, Franzia? Franz- <laughs> Franzen. Did he, the guy, did he invent Franzia? You know, no. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yes? You yes. guys tell us in the comments below. Did he invent Franzia, yes or no? And whatever the most votes we get is, is the answer. And we're going to change the Wikipedia page for Franzia. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So he, okay, his best friend, James Franzen, ran a pub near his house. And Richard could often be seen inside the pub, drinking himself into a stupor. Mm. All of this drinking soon took a toll on Richard's pocketbook. And he started having money problems. 
One day, a couple crossed paths with Richard, and this chance meeting would change the course of Richard's life forever. The couple consisted of William Kent and his wife, Frances. The couple was looking for a room to rent, and one day while attending morning prayers at church, they asked Richard if he knew of anywhere that was renting. Richard decided that renting the couple a room in his three-story building on Cock Lane would be... (laughs) (laughs) would be mutually beneficial. He could collect a rent check to help with his money troubles, and the couple wouldn't be out on the street. By a stroke of good luck for Richard, William Kent informed Richard that he worked as an u- usurer. Do you know what that is? A user? It, so u- U-S-U-R-E-R. Usurer? Uh-huh. No. Okay. All Today we would call them a payday lender or like a payday loan. Oh, he's like a loan shark. He's a loan shark. So what do you know about payday lenders? The they I don't I mean you're kind of you're on the right track saying like a loan chart so it's someone who basically gives you money when you don't have it and then they come to collect it yes when you get paid right okay so so it's like they fast forward your payday like they're like oh you're gonna make you know two hundred dollars but you don't get it till Friday well I'll give it to you today and then when you get paid on Friday give me the 200 bucks plus interest plus right? interest yeah okay so they lend money basically payday lenders lend money at an insanely high rate of interest so that's why most people would go to a bank but if you can't go to a bank because your credit sucks or something then you have to go to a, like a payday loan nowadays to put it in perspective nowadays in the US the average loan term for a payday advance is about 2 weeks and they typically cost 400% APR that is so stupid. Yeah. So if you give, if your payday is 200 bucks and you get the 200 bucks ahead of time, if you don't pay them back before your payday, then it's going to be $800 you owe them? I know. I can't do math, but I do know <laughs> that that's bad. Okay. Okay. So are you seeing now how this might possibly be a bad idea for someone who has money problems to yeah, why- borrow from a, a, a usurer? The only reason I can think of someone might do this is if they were a scammer and like had a way to get out of. Or if they're stupid it's- and drunk. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... Richard Parsons takes a loan from William Kent and also allows him and his wife, Frances, to move into his three-story building on Cock Lane. <laughs> I'm going to say Cock Lane as much as possible. At first, everything seems to be going well. Richard and William get along so well, in fact, that William confides in him that he and his wife, Frances, are not actually married. Will- they scammers. William Kent begins to tell Richard the story of his life. Are you ready to hear the story of William Kent's life? Yes. Great. Why is he telling this guy that his him and his wife aren't married? Like, doesn't he need to keep his scam artist life on the low? Yeah, well, apparently he's also stupid. So we've got a dumb drunk and a dumb guy that has a bunch of problems that I'm about to tell you about. So I'm about to tell you the origin story of William Kent and his quote-unquote wife, Frances. Okay. From Cock Lane? From Cock Lane. <laughs> so, but before I tell you about that, I have to start at the beginning. Because William Kent, this is not his first marriage. His first marriage was to a woman named Elizabeth Lines, the daughter of an English grocer. They moved to Stoke Ferry in Norfolk, England, where Kent had an inn, and he also owned the local post office. So this guy is well off. Oh, my God. Okay. So everything's going well. Like, he's madly in love with his childhood sweetheart. Right. Um, They decide that they're going to move to a different part of Norfolk, and they get married. Okay? And... Their marriage is short-lived. Why is their marriage short-lived? I'm <laughs> fucking pissed. It was yeah, his fault, wasn't he? Because like I'm tired it's such of his a beautiful bullshit. Relationship. Okay, 
Because within a month of moving, Elizabeth died during childbirth. This is why I fucking hate this world. Did the baby survive? Well, I'm about to tell you. So within a month of the move, Elizabeth is about to give birth or she's giving birth in the middle of fucking giving birth and dies. Okay, the child survives. And because it's, you know, 1700s England, William can't do this by himself, right? Like he can't work, have a newborn baby. Yeah, you're going to have to find someone who has milk in their titties. Yeah, like a wet nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he asks his deceased wife's sister Francis to move in with him as sort of like a babysitter like she's gonna take care of like wait finding is this the Franzia wi- no is this girl is his are you telling me his sister his his sister the dead wife's sister he's gonna that's gonna be his new wife yeah I'm pissed I know okay so you're gonna get more pissed so he asked Fanny, but that's also her nickname. maybe it works. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, are we jumping to conclusions? Yes, but there's a reason. <laughs> your your gut's in the right place. So he decides he's going to marry his deceased wife's sister, Frances, commonly known as Fanny. And she moves in and she's caring for the infant, taking care of the household and also consoling William while he's grieving the loss of his wife. Can we just hold for one second? Yes. So. Is that like the dream right there? She really lucked out because she did not have to give birth. And she has a child that has her DNA, her blood. Oh, shit. I didn't even think so, of that. And now she just gets to be mom to this kid that's like totally her DNA and her blood. But she didn't have to push it out of her body in 1700s England. Yes, but the boy dies. What? God damn it. Why? <laughs> so, I don't know. He just, like, dies. It doesn't really say why. I Maybe he, like, didn't have enough milk. I don't know. But the, so the baby dies. And rather than leave once the baby dies, Fanny decides that she's going to stay on to take care of William Kent and the household. Now, you're seeing where this is going. The two soon begin a sexual relationship. Um, but canon law at the time appeared to rule out marriage. So Kent traveled to London to seek advice from an attorney to see, like, can I marry my deceased wife's sister? Can I not? And he was told that because Elizabeth, his ex-wife or his wife that died, mm-hmm. uh, gave birth to a living son, he would be unable to marry his deceased wife's sister. Now, you're probably wondering what Why? leaps of logic. Yeah. yeah. I Googled it. So... I was looking into canon law to figure out why it was illegal to marry your dead wife's sister, and I found the explanation. Apparently, the logic was that those who were connected by marriage were regarded as being related to each other in a way which made marriage between them improper. So basically, marrying your sister-in-law it's was like marrying your sister. Yes, was the equivalent of marrying your and sister in the eyes called, of the law. Why is it called canon law? Because they shoot you with a cannon. Yes. Hmm. They shoot you out of a cannon, and then depending on where you land on a bullseye map, <laughs> the the answer is yes or no. <laughs> so, but here's a fun fact. Here's a fun fact. In 1907, something called the Deceased Wife's Sisters Marriage Act was passed by Parliament, which wow. which made it legal for a man to marry his dead wife's sister. You Thoughts? know what? The Lord works in such mysterious ways. <laughs> and I think we've really seen it here today. This is really called the Deceased Wife's Sisters Marriage Act. Was this just for them? No. It was in 1907, 200 years after this story happens. Oh. But like, come on. That's really on the nose. They couldn't come really... up with anything else. Like an acronym. Anyway, but that... So this is taking place in January of 1759. So the Deceased Wife Sisters Marriage Act hadn't even been proposed yet. So William had no choice but to leave fanny even though he was in love with her 
He gave up his post office, he gave up his inn, and he moves to London, intending to purchase, and this is a quote from him, intending to purchase a place in some public office in the hope that, quote, business would erase that passion I had unfortunately indulged. Oh my God, that's so, like, guys. They're just like, get money. Forget about bitches. I'm in love, but I'm going to leave the woman that I love for money. Right. Yeah. Uh I'm so, like, triggered triggered and angry yeah okay so fanny meanwhile has to move in with one of her brothers because as we know if you're a single woman you are either um a witch or fanny did so much for this asshole i know and she had to go through her sister dying right yeah her sister died her nephew died right and then she gets she she gets this guy yeah to take care of her probably loses her virginity like this is just her name so is sad. Fanny. Her name's Fanny, which means vagina in British slang. So she's staying with one of her brothers in a different city, and her family to- like disapproves of this love that she has for William because they're on the side of the government. Like they think that marrying your sister-in-law is like marrying your sister. It's wrong. Like so, they're glad that she's not with him anymore. But Fanny, on the other hand, is like devastated. She's heartbroken and she starts writing passionate love letters to Kent filled with, quote, repeated entreaties to spend the rest of our lives together. No, that's not going to work. Let me tell you, girl. Yeah. If he leaves, you have to ignore. If he leaves, he was never yours to begin with. Right. And you need to just don't send long texts. Don't send long letter. Just just save your dignity. Put your name in an urn in ancient Roman times and have an eligible bachelor knock you up. Yeah. Okay. So eventually Kent is like receiving these love letters and he's like, oh man, I I really do love her. So he asks her to move in with him. Wait, the guy that went to fucking London? Now he's changed his tune? Yeah. Now he's like, he's receiving the letters from Fanny and he's like, you know what? I love you. I don't care what society thinks. Wow. All this business couldn't erase you from my heart. Right. All this money. I want to share my chlamydia with you. And that's so romantic. So he asks her to join him in East Greenwich near London. And she's over the fucking moon. But she doesn't want her family to know what's going on because they totally disapprove of this. Right. So she just says, hey, I got a job. Like I'm moving to East Greenwich near London. And for some reason, nobody checks in on her. So they're just like, okay, cool. And then she leaves. Mm. Um, So the two decide to live together and as man and wife. And they decide to like write wills in each other's favor. um, And they're trying to remain discreet. So they're basically they're doing everything that a married couple would do. But they're not married because it's illegal. So I just really want to emphasize that them even living together would have been not only super scandalous, but illegal. Like they could be prosecuted executed for this right they're gross it's like incest yeah yeah ew they're disgusting yeah true love is disgusting (laughs) so the couple live there for a while um and then they decide that they need to move because the landlord of the place that they're renting finds out their secret so they're like all right we got to get the fuck out of here before like something happens so they move to smithfield london which is where they meet richard parsons the Mm. drunk church clerk cock lane yeah cock lane boy so they meet Richard Parsons and start renting from him at the house on Cock Lane. Now, William... Wait, isn't Cock a name for Richard also? No, that's Dick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that was, wow. That was pretty funny. So Dick who lives on Cock Lane. Yeah, yeah. Dick lives on Cock... Oh, shit. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's what I said. Oh, I just thought it was funny that you thought Cock was short for Richard because Dick's short for Richard. Yeah. But you're right. It's Dick Parsons... Right. 
living on cock lane see the neurons in my brain they like there's a lot of bridges that have been burned so it kind of has to like go (laughs) go a fucked up way to get it has to go to a fucked up way to get to the same place that was a good jump whereas maybe my brain's the one that's fucked up because i was just like cock (laughs) short for richard (laughs) okay so um okay william kent for some reason decides to confide in his landlord his drunk church clerk landlord well, richard like, parsons this guy's a drunk clerk he won't care yeah, that he's I'm not fucking my remember. sister yeah exactly so he uh, starts renting this house and like they become pretty good friends they're like drinking together and stuff and like become good buddies um william loans money to richard and tells him that he's fucking um his sister-in-law right. which is like the equivalent as we've discussed he's basically saying hey i'm fucking my sister and I'm pretending to be married to her. Hey, I'm fucking my sister on Cock Lane. <laughs> and he's like, it's all right, bro. I'm supposed to be the secretary of the church. <laughs> but I like my whiskey. <laughs> Remember how I told you just now, like mm-hmm. two seconds ago. Yes. That William lent Richard money. Why, why did he do that? Okay. Well, apparently, I don't know why he Why did. would you lend a drunk money? Oh, because... Wait. Because they're going to spend a 400000 APR when they return it to you. Oh, so these are the loan sharks. Yes. Okay. This is the loan shark baby. See, up until now, I've just, like, heard about a lot of people, but I didn't know yeah. how they were it's connected. It's hard when all the names are very similar. Like, these are right. all very white English names. Yeah, so there's no variety except for Fanny. And they all live in, like, Crest Colgate yeah, land. And, uh, <laughs> Colgate upon Smithings. <laughs> okay, so apparently... Richard, drunk landlord, defaults on his loan. Of course. Of course. Because he's a drunk landlord. Yeah. They want that. That's exactly. That's exactly what they want. So the amount of money that had been loaned was about 20 pounds, which would be the equivalent of, do you want to guess? Like 35 bucks. Which would be the equivalent of 2,500 pounds in today's money. Isn't that fucking nuts? Wait, That's so, so much like thirty five hundred bucks, like twenty five hundred bucks. Oh, thirty five hundred bucks. I don't know. I don't what know. is the pound now? I don't know. Don't. Is our economy good? Are we okay? I think we're okay. Anyway, Richard defaults on his loan, and then William's like, "Hey, where's my money?" Right. And Richard's like, "I'm not paying you." Oh no. Because I'm a drunk clerk, and I know that you're marrying, married, and fucking your sister. Oh, okay. so he's just gonna hold that over him? Yes. So he refuses to pay William back, and rather than just like take that shit lying down william's like i'm gonna sue him so william gets an attorney and decides to sue drunk richard right okay so for his job so now we're like kind of fast forwarding a little bit okay for his job william kent had to travel a lot which meant that fanny would often be left alone in the house on cock lane with richard parsons and parsons family in 1759, William was out of town on one of his business trips, and Fanny, who was pregnant, was left alone and lonely. So Fanny asks drunk landlord Richard, hey, can your 12-year-old daughter sleep in my bed uh, while my husband is gone so that I'm not so lonely? And Richard's like, great idea. Oh, but that's kind of wholesome. I mean, yeah. Would I do that? No, but that's fine. Oh, wait. Yeah. It takes a village, right, to raise yeah. a child. Yeah. So... This is a 12-year-old. This So Richard's daughter's 12 years old. Her nickname is Betty. Mm-hmm. Her full name is Elizabeth. Okay. They're not going to do weird sex stuff, right? No, no, okay, no. Good. I would not tell this story if that's... Well, I probably would. But <laughs> no, that's not what happens. <laughs> okay. So um, Richard's like, yeah, whatever. My daughter can sleep in your bed. And so uh, Betty starts sleeping in bed with Fanny every night. That's cute. Yeah. 
because her husband's gone she's lonely right. she's pregnant yeah okay yeah so betty and fanny sleep together in the same bed during the time all the times that william is away on business and one night in 1759 something strange happened what happened both Fanny and Elizabeth were awoken late one night to a strange knocking and scratching noises coming from the wood paneling on the lower part of the walls in Fanny's bedroom. Ghosts. Frightened, Fanny and Elizabeth went and woke up Mrs. Parsons, which is drunk Richard's wife. And Mrs. Parson, Parsons, who's super logical and a skeptic, tells the two girls, don't worry. The noise is probably just coming from this cobbler who like cobbles next door. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what you're hearing. But... When the noises continue on a Sunday when the cobbler's shop is closed, Fanny and Mrs. Parsons start to wonder if the noises might have a supernatural aspect to them. So remember uh, the Franzia guy whose name is actually James Franzen and is the best friend that owns a pub? Yes. Okay. So Richard Parsons' best friend, James Franzen, uh, comes over one day and he knocks on the door uh, at the house on Cock Lane (laughs) to visit with Richard. However... Fanny answers the door and informs him that drunk Richard isn't home, but that Franzia man was welcome to come inside. So James Franzen comes inside and suddenly witnessed a spectral glowing figure in white shooting up the stairs. As James was observing this phenomenon, Richard walked through the door and also saw the same ghost flying up the stairs at the same time. So like I said, although Richard was a drunk, he was also the local church clerk and was therefore very religious. Because of his religion, Richard decided that the ghost must be sent from God and have an important message to impart to the living. Knowing William Kent's deep dark secret and about to be fucking sued by William Kent, Richard decides to spread a rumor around town that his house is haunted and that the ghost is William's ex-wife who's pissed because, because William he's with is fucking sister. her sister. And having her baby. And having her baby. I believe it. Yes. So basically. Wait, wait, what do you mean he started a rumor? That's what happened. I mean, it could be what happened or did he start a rumor? I don't know. But he either way. He goes around town because he's mad because he's getting sued because he defaulted on his loan. Right. So he runs around town in England telling people like, hey, I have a tenant. The tenant's fucking his sister. And now his ex-wife is haunting my house because she's pissed that her ex-husband is like fucking his sister. Just sister. So this this clerk is just doing this to like. To try to get out of the the Just to fuck him up. Oh. Yeah. He like doesn't want to pay him back. Right, but how will that make it so that he doesn't have to pay him back? Because this is a punishable offense, like, with oh, jail time. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So then if he goes to jail... He doesn't have to pay him back, in theory. Right. Okay. Oh, and then he's like, and also there's a ghost. Yeah, yeah and also there's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> right, it seems like he could have skipped a lot right, of steps yeah. and just been like, hey, my tenant is... Fuck- like, turn him into the police. Uh-huh. You don't have to pay the loan. But instead, yeah. he's like, there's a ghost in my house. Right. He's and like, it's- hey, all the stuff I said, that was illegal, and there's a ghost. <laughs> yes a hundred percent okay so now i'm gonna read you he's like let's get haunted he is so i'm gonna read you an excerpt from an article that i found on historycollection.co called murder mystery and money lending the peculiar tale of the cock lane ghost by natasha sheldon so she says so parsons is having trouble repaying his loan right william kent decides he's gonna move out so he moves out wait without his wife no with his wife okay so they both decide they're gonna move out because now their landlord is spreading rumors about them around right. town. And it's they're not toxic, rumors. They're true. It's a toxic yeah. living situation. Yeah. And then also there's a ghost. It's a hostile work environment, but like a hostile <laughs> living environment. And there's a ghost. So then, like I said, William Kent decides to sue drunk Richard. 
And the case was still ongoing in January 1761 when Fanny became ill with smallpox. By February 2nd of that year, she was dead. Did she give birth? She didn't give birth. Oh, gosh. So not long afterward, Kent won his case against Parsons. And grieving and sorely in need of a fresh start, he moved again and started a new career as a stockbroker. Meanwhile, in Cock Lane, the noises, which had stopped for a time after the Kents moved out, began again with a vengeance. The noises focused around young Elizabeth Parsons, who identified this ghostly visitor as Fanny. So now, remember how at first, they're like, oh, this is, you know, Kent's ex-wife. Yeah. uh, Or deceased wife. And and now it's Fanny. Now it's Fanny. So they're both there together, pissed. Together, pissed. Okay. So the Betty, the like young little girl that was sleeping every night with Fanny is like, no, this is Fanny. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel her presence. She speaks to me. She makes these noises in the wall and she's pissed. Wow. Okay. So. She was a medium. And this is despite the fact that Fanny had not died at Cock Lane, right? (laughs) Like none of these people have died at Cock Lane. So why are they at Cock Lane? (laughs) No one knows for sure. I really want someone to tell me they want to. They want me to die at cock lane. <laughs> like that is dirty talk. Live like, by the cock, die by the bitch, cock. I'm going to kill you at cock, at cock lane. lane. That is dirty talk. So, <laughs> so drunk. I, I, ki- <laughs> I killed Fanny at cock, cock lane. <laughs> oh wow. God. Okay. So, what? Okay. So, drunk Richard is like, I need to call the Reverend John Moore. This is like so many parallels to that story I told you about. Um, the Bell Witch. Yes. Yeah, this is like the same story, but in England. Okay. Makes sense. It makes sense. So, um, Drunk Richard's like, I need the help of Reverend John Moore, a local preacher with the Methodist, um, with the Methodist Church. And although many people still believed in ghosts, Methodists were particularly noted for their belief in the spirit world. Mm. So, this is like the perfect denomination for Drunk Richard. Right. So, this preacher visited Cock Lane and... (laughs) And agreed that it was indeed haunted by an angry spirit. So he and Drunk Richard develop a mode of communication with the spirit, and it had an engrossing tale to tell. How did they communicate with it? With a series of knocks, much like the Bell Witch. Oh. So one of the seances was held at Cock Lane. And the ghosts communicated with the preacher and with Drunk Richard using a knocking system. One knock for yes, two knocks for no. In this way, it confirmed that it was indeed the spirit of Fanny Lynn and that she had died not from smallpox, but from aconite poisoning, which is arsenic poisoning, at the hands of her husband, William Kent. So did he murder his first wife, too? I believe the ghost. You believe the ghost? Yeah. Okay. So this story obtained a certain amount of credibility when paired with the complaints of Anne Lynn, the sister of both. William's first wife, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and his second wife, Elizabeth's sister, Fanny. So basically the third sister in this trio of sisters is Anne. And she's like, I fucking believe it because this guy's a piece of shit because yeah. he shouldn't have married her. His, you know, he shouldn't have married his deceased wife's sister. That's fucked up. Like girl code, man code. Like there's some lines you don't cross. Family code. Family code. Like also the law. Right. Um, and so she's like, okay, I agree with this rumor. And in fact, not only do I agree with this rumor, I'm going to help spread it. So she starts giving credibility to this rumor. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. I agree that this probably happened. A crusader. Um, Yes. So and she was angry at William Kent because he had sealed her sister's coffin before she could view the body. (gasps) So was this to hide the fact that there were no smallpox marks on Fanny's corpse? 
Yes. Why would he seal it before they could see the body? Uh, it makes no sense, right? This is like the Greenbrier ghost. Yeah, it's also like the Greenbrier ghost. Okay, so the newspaper, the Public Ledger, eventually learned of the story and published an article on it. Very soon, William Kent found himself a suspected murderer. So he tried to set about clearing his name. But how do you clear your name when the person accusing you of murder is a ghost? Right? Like, you can't just, like, you just talk say, to the ghost and be you like... You just say ghosts aren't real, I guess? Yeah, I guess. That's true. That's a good point. I guess that's really all you have to do. So, so accompanied by the two doctors who had attended Fanny in her last days and Reverend Thomas Broughton, a Methodist minister brought in by the Reverend Moore to substantiate the ghost, um, William once again returned to Cock Lane for a seance provided over by the Reverend Moore in the bedroom of young Betty Parsons in the house on Cock Lane. Oh, this Betty Parsons is like... She's like at the center of it, yeah, right? She's, like the little 12-year-old. Yeah, she's is she really, haunted? Because she was sleeping next to this pregnant woman. And then when the knocking started. Right. Yeah, okay. So maybe she's the conduit. So Reverend Moore starts the seance. He asks the ghost, are you the wife of William Kent? Two knocks followed, meaning no, which was correct, as William and Fanny had never married. Moore then asked the ghost if it had died of natural causes. Two knocks, meaning no. By poison? asked Moore. The ghost knocked once, further acknowledging that William Kent had administered it. Kent, ask the ghost if you shall be hanged, asked a heckler in the company. Kent did so, and the spirit answered, one knock yes thou art a lying spirit exclaimed william kent thou art not the ghost of my fanny she would never have said any such thing <laughs> sorry the ghost of fanny that's like pretty funny yeah. Yeah, yeah the ghost of my wife's vagina um okay so the cock lane ghost now came to the attention of the authorities the haunted house was attracting such crowds that Cock Lane was becoming blocked, causing a public nuisance. So an investigation into the validity of the ghost began. Rather than just be like, ghosts exist or ghosts don't exist, the police are like, we've really got to get to the bottom of this. Like, we better go to a seance and see, like, if this ghost is real. So Betty Parsons was removed from her home for examination. And the strange knocking noises and scratching noises followed her. Meanwhile, a commission was set up under the authority of Dr. Samuel Johnson. The commissioners attended various seances in the presence of Betty and finally decided the final test of the matter should be conducted at the coffin of Fanny Lynn, which was being kept in the vault of the Church of St. John in Clerkenwell. Betty Parsons was left behind while the commissioners, um, the Reverend Moore and William Kent, all went to the church. There, they asked Fanny's spirit to reveal herself, but nothing happened. It even failed to respond in the presence of William Kent. This admission prompted Reverend Moore to declare that perhaps the ghost was not Fanny after all, but a mischievous imposter. William Kent seized upon Moore's admission and asked him to write an affidavit to that effect so that he could clear his name. But Reverend Moore refused, stating that he still believed the spirit was haunting Kent because of his past sins, because he fucked his sister-in-law. Hmm. Um, and so it was that in July 1762, a trial began at London's Guild Hall, precipitated by the story of the Cock Lane ghost opened at London's Guild Hall. The accused, however, was not William Kent. Who was it? On July 10th, 1762, William Kent took Richard Parsons, his wife, the Reverend Moore, and two other people to court. They ended up being charged with a conspiracy to take away his life by charging him with the murder of Frances Lyons by giving her poison whereof she died. So 
Whoa, plot twist. They go dig up Fanny's grave mm-hmm. and they look in her coffin. And they're like, actually, she did die of smallpox? She No, she died of, they think she died of arsenic poisoning. <gasps> there were no smallpox scars on her. And her body was super well preserved. And apparently one of the side effects of arsenic poisoning is that your body is like pretty well preserved. So that fucking guy, he murdered his pregnant wife? Okay. It wasn't William Kent. It was Drunk Richard. (gasps) Drunk Richard murdered Fanny. The church guy? Yes. Okay. So let me take you down this fucking conspiracy rabbit hole. Apparently Fanny had confided in somebody, but it doesn't say who, that whenever her husband, William, was away on business. She would hear these like strange knocking noises, right? And it scared her. She was superstitious. Mm -hmm. So she's like, oh my God, this is fucking terrifying. I don't want to live here anymore. Well, apparently drunk, uh, drunk Richard was not having sex with his wife anymore. And he was really sexually frustrated. Like his wife wasn't putting out. So he told the superstitious Fanny, he was like, these are ghosts and they not, if you move, they will kill you. So you can't leave my house. And if you don't have sex with me, they'll kill you. The <gasps> only way... He was a rapist? The only way for the spirits to stay at bay is if we fuck a lot. Ew, he was a rapist. So she, at first, there's conflicting reports. Like, at first, she's like, maybe was fine with it because she was super naive and was like, oh, this is how I keep the ghosts away. Because whenever she would have sex with him, the knocking noises would stop. Well, he was making the knocking, obviously. Well, yeah, obviously. It was... um Okay. So... Then she's like, I actually like don't want to have sex with you anymore. And if you try to make me have sex with you again, I'm going to tell your wife. Okay. So apparently that's when she was poisoned by drunk Richard. Oh my gosh. This is like scandal. Scandal after fucking scandal. We need to sell the story to the CW. Right? Okay. So then, um, you know, the police come in, right? And they're doing this investigation. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And they they notice that the knocking noises only happen when Betty Parsons, Drunk Richard's daughter, is in the room. So they start doing all these tests on this, like, poor, like, I think she's 13 at the time now, this 13-year-old girl. And one of the tests is that they tie her up in a hammock suspended from the ceiling and tie her arms and legs out to the side. And the knocking doesn't happen, obviously. Oh, and because so, she was making it knock? Well, maybe. And so they're like, Case closed. Like, she was doing it because now when we tie her up, the knocking stops. <laughs> Which, like, just seems kind of fucked up to, like, suspend a 13-year-old from the ceiling and, like, tie their arms and legs. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned. I think that that's pretty <laughs> fucked up. So, so anyway, um, it all comes to a head. And Drunk Richard, his wife, the Reverend Moore, and two other unnamed accomplices are charged with a conspiracy to take away the life of William Kent by charging him with the murder of Frances Lines by giving her poison whereof she died. Okay, now I get it. Okay. So William Kent is finally able to seek uh, recompense because Cock Lane Ghost had finally been unmasked as a malicious fiction. After the fiasco in the crypt, Samuel Johnson's report concluded that, quote, It is the opinion of the whole assembly that the child Betty Parsons has some art of making or counterfeiting a particular noise that there is no agency of any higher cause. This belief was confirmed by the investigation into the girl, for when Elizabeth was made to keep her hands above her bedclothes, the scratching sounds did not occur. Furthermore, a maid had spotted her attempting to conceal a small piece of wood on her person that she later used to make the noises. 
Betty herself, once discovered, admitted to her deception. Her father had forced her into it, she said. This explained Parsons' extreme unwillingness to have his daughter isolated from her family during the investigation. It also explains why Elizabeth herself broke down several times, crying that she was afraid for her father and on one occasion admitting that he would be, quote, ruined and undone if their matter should be supposed to be an imposture. Okay, but there's another conspiracy. What's the other conspiracy? Uh, so there is one last conspiracy theory, though, which is that the ghosts were real and they were really there. And Betty Parsons later said that the ghosts were real, that she wasn't making the noise, but that what happened was that she was threatened by the police into a false confession because they wanted to close their case. So she said that the only reason why the maid caught her with a piece of wood under her clothing to make the scratching noises is because they planted it is because when the scratching noises stopped, she couldn't explain how or why. She said she could still feel the ghost's presence in the house, but it just wasn't making any noise. And so um, the police had pulled her aside and said, hey, we just want to let you know that unless you can produce the ghost, your dad is going to prison for a very long time. And so obviously she's panicking. She's like 13. Right. And so she went and she got like a wood plank, hid it under her clothes and then scratched um, the side of the wall and was caught. I know. So is it real? Is it not real? We'll never know. But her dad was sentenced to like 50 years hard labor or something. Oh my gosh. And the random two accomplices and the reverend, I think they just got off with a fine. And then her mom went to jail as well. Dude, the moral of this story is just don't fuck around with people who have bad vibes. Yeah. Like, right? the, she could have just stayed out of that entire thing if she wasn't, you know... Well, I guess it's not her fault because she's 13. Yeah, That's she's a bad 13. example. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the more... What do you think the moral of this story is? I don't know. If, we, if, if haunted shit is happening around you, just run away. How about don't live on Cock Lane? Yeah. You know, like if the name of your street is Genitalia... <laughs> Find somewhere else. Like, there's got to be more places that are renting, especially if this guy, if William Kent owned a post office and an inn and then sold both of those things, clearly he has enough money to not live on Cock Lane. Like, right. he can he not rent anywhere else? I don't understand. He was being cheap. Yeah. So what do you think, Natalia? Do you think that the ghost was real or do you think it was a hoax? Because they went to jail for a long time for it being a hoax. I don't... Uh, I don't know. I think that maybe... Look, whether or not you believe that the ghost was this thing that was scratching on the walls, I don't know about that. But I do think that there was, like, demons definitely going around all of those people because they were criminals. They were... Loan sharks. Loan sharks. There was drunk clergy dude who's, you know, forcing people to have sex with him, saying that there's a ghost that will kill you if you don't. Like, that can't produce good vibes you no. know and the demons feed on the bad vibes also thinking about i mean who knows um but i feel like if i died and my husband married my sister karma i'd be kind of pissed right you're like oh you move on so quickly from right. me like i gave birth or tried to give birth to your child died because of it because yeah. it's 1700s england right. and now rather than like grieve this you know loss of the quote-unquote love of your life you just right. go marry my sister and start fucking my sister it's kind of but not really but is the exact plot of pearl harbor oh explained okay so have you seen pearl harbor <laughs> yeah 
So there's the two guys. There's Ben Affleck and there's Josh oh, Hartnett. Oh, that's right. And the and wife. Then, yeah, Josh oh. Hartnett and Ben Affleck are both in love with Jennifer Garner, is it? I don't know. Whoever the fuck. In, lo- in love with some girl. Yeah. And Josh Hartnett, I'm spoiling it. So if you don't haven't seen this movie, then you turn this off right now. Josh Hartnett dies. Oh. And then Ben Affleck is like, okay, well, now the girl's mine. But she was pregnant with, with Josh Hartnett's baby. And then they raised Josh Hartnett's baby as their own. So it's like the same story. It's the same, except the except baby survived. The baby dies in this they're one. They're not related. There's a ghost and a drunk clergyman. Look, and it was based on true events. Pearl and, it, Harbor. and these events. Yeah, it wasn't Pearl, Pearl Harbor. Harbor. It was about based on Cock Lane. Exactly. Yeah. Another national tragedy. And you can still go visit Cock Lane today. Oh, I might be visiting Cock Lane in the future if you know what I mean. Oh. All right, Natalia, you want to do our sign off? Sure. I'm scared. What if I don't say something funny? That's okay. Do like three. <laughs> okay. BRB. Gotta go scratch fannies on Cock Lane. Um, BRB. Gotta go. I don't know. I Alyssa. think that was a good one. BRB. Gotta go scratch my fanny on Cock Lane. No, that's gross. <laughs> BRB. Gotta go and gotta go to Cock Lane. <laughs> 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 brb gotta go visit a house on cock lane brb gotta go get cock lane brb i got an appointment at cock lane i yeah brb i got an appointment on cock lane bye <laughs> bye Thank you for listening to episode 31 of Let's Get Haunted, Scratching Fanny, the Ghost of Cock Lane. Allie here with information about my sources for this episode. The creepy origins of Valentine's Day were brought to you by Ripley's Believe It or Not, and my sources for Scratching Fanny, the Ghost of Cock Lane are hauntedpalaceblog.wordpress.com, wikipedia.org, independent.co.uk, which is the article The Cock Lane Ghost by Paul Chambers by Jonathan Sale. In addition, I also used two podcasts, Last Podcast on the Left and Things You Missed in History Class. If you'd like to donate to Let's Get Haunted, feel free to Venmo us at DogMomUSA or at NatStron. You can also send PayPal money to Natalia at paypal.me slash NatStron. You can also send us checks by mail to P.O. Box 1658, Camarillo, California, 93011. You can also send us coffee by contacting me, Allie, on coffee. That's coffeeko-fi.com forward slash dogmomusa. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.